This is a teaching message from Church of the Living Water of Austin. Amen. Well, tonight we're going to continue on with um, my portion of the Sermon on the Mount. Um, And we're talking right now the Beatitudes. And my portion of this is the expectation of righteousness. And this is the third week that we've uh, been looking at this. So let's go ahead, and we're going to jump right in. Um, Let's go ahead and turn over to Matthew chapter 5. And we're going to read verses 1 through 12. In my portion, I'm focusing on verses 10 through 12, but we're going to read just the whole thing just to remind everybody what we're doing here. So, Matthew chapter 5, verse 1, says, and, the multitude, and seeing the multitudes, he went up unto the mountain, and when he was set, his disciples came unto him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, it's amazing, so here, here's Jesus, and he, he's teaching. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say, and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. So we've been looking at, at this, uh, this passage of scripture here for a few weeks here. So in my section here, we're, we've been reviewing what's going on in, in verses 10 through 12. And I told you that here we have Jesus teaching to the multitude. And he's teaching the kingdom of God. And we always want to remember that when we're taught the word of God, when the word of God goes forth, there's an immediate need to hear, understand, trust, and respond to it. So in this teaching, I said I was going to explain what the believer can expect and what is expected of the believer. And in verses 10 through 12, we're going to look at the state and the condition of the believer. And we said that that is blessed. The believer is blessed because God has said he's blessed. Then we're going to look at the circumstances and situations that the believer can expect. As a believer, these are things that you can expect. God is telling you, expect this. Then we're going to see the expected character and behavior of the believer. There are some things that are going to happen, but God said this is what you are to do. This is what you as a believer, this is going to be your character. These are going to be your actions. And we're going to see that throughout those verses. So we looked at verse 10, and we'll just go ahead and just read 10 through 12. Um, We've been focusing on verse 10, and tonight we're going to get into verse 11. So verse 10 says, Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And we looked at the word blessed. And once again, we've been looking at this for several weeks now. We said blessed is fortunate, it's happy, it's well off at the highest level, it's complete, it's spiritually prosperous. When you're, when you're in Christ, you're blessed. Being blessed is built into salvation. Being in the blessed state 
is a condition of the believer. So our being blessed is not something the world gives us. The blessing comes from God. As believers, we can expect to be persecuted. We can expect to be insulted. We can expect to suffer for righteousness' sake. When we look at the word persecuted, and we went over this and we talked about it, whenever you hear the word persecuted, it kind of puts you in the mind that it's some punishment or something you've done wrong and you're getting, getting punished for that. But persecution is the result of a clash between two irreconcilable value differences. Excuse me, value systems. And we saw that, we went over to 1 Peter, we're not going to go there now, but we saw that believers will suffer persecution. And it's not unusual, so when it happens, notice I didn't say if it happens. When it happens, don't think, oh my God, where is this coming from? Jesus has told us we're going to suffer persecution. Not because of sin, not because of any evil doing uh, you've done, but because of righteousness sake. But in that time, we have to remember that our security, our peace, and our comfort come from God. Remember, we're blessed. And we looked at it that there's a difference for being persecuted for righteousness sake and then being persecuted for doing something wrong. And we said as believers, we don't, we don't want to be on that side. We looked at 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 15 and said, we don't want to be uh, persecuted for evildoing, for murdering, for stealing, for being a busybody, being an evildoer. We're not going to do things that are against the law criminally. Then we're not going to do things that are against the law socially. We're not going to be dishonoring people, disrespecting people, just being, just being ugly. That's not who we are as believers. We're not, that's not the persecution. We're, we're, we're not in line for that persecution. If you're in line for that persecution, there's some repentance that needs to be done so you can get where you need to be. So then we looked at the word persecution. We said persecution is a description of harsh treatment. It's harassment and suffering which people and institutions, and we use that word institutions, but we remember that people persecute people. So when we talk about institutions, we're talking about groups of people that have come together. So this is people who will inflict upon other people harassment or suffering for them being different in their faith, their worldview, culture, or race. Persecution, it seeks to intimidate, silence, punish, or even kill people. So there are different ranges of persecution. There are things that may be widespread, you know, like when you look at the Holocaust, that was persecution, that was very widespread persecution. And then there's persecution where it may be just individual to individual. It may just be somebody saying something bad about you, thinking something bad about you. Then we looked at the types of persecution. We said there's persecution by action, and that's kind of like I was just saying, somebody doing something against you. One of the things um, I mentioned was people not wanting to be around you or saying, oh, no, you can't come here, or these people aren't allowed here because of their righteousness. That's a persecution by action. It could also be find uh, being in prison. We see um, in the Bible, we see a lot of people in prison. We see them beaten. We see them being killed for righteousness sake. And that's persecution by action. Then you have persecution by words. And that's saying things about people. You know, using your words to try to harass and intimidate and bully people. And then we have persecution of the heart. And that's the inward hatred. And this type of persecution starts long before any other type of persecution starts. Persecution inside the persecution of the heart is going to start first, and then it's going to work its way out. 
So that's what you get the persecution of the heart, and then you get the actions and the words. That's where it starts. So as believers, we're not supposed to persecute people. I, I mean to say this every week, and I think I forgot to say it last week. But believers are not supposed to persecute people. I'm going to read one of the things about what persecution is. is harassment and suffering. So you're inflicting harassment and suffering on somebody else. You're seeking to intimidate, silence, punish, or even kill somebody. Believers, we don't do that. That's not who we are. Believers, we do something else. We preach the gospel. We live what we preach. People can do what they want to do, but we're going to be doing what God has called us to do. We're not persecuting people. We're not trying to intimidate them. We're not trying to bully them to do things our way. That's not what we do as believers. So we looked at, um, over in Genesis, we looked at Cain, and we saw how he persecuted his brother. He was upset with his brother because his brother had an offering that God accepted, and he had an offering that God didn't accept. So we saw that Cain had some issues. God even, he, he talked to God about it. And God was like, hey, you know what? Just do right, and it'll be accepted. But he didn't want to do right. So he kept on, and after a while, he thought on it long enough, and he went and he killed his brother. And we talked about that that's not what we want to do. We can't go in and think that what somebody else does, but this is, this is what persecution does. Persecution when people, when people persecute you, it's because they don't want to be shown, their unrighteousness to be shown. So when you're living righteously, their unrighteousness is shown. And we're going to talk about this a little later on. And that's what the problem was with Cain. His brother was a reminder of his disobedience. So Abel's obedience was a reminder of Cain of his rebellion. So he murdered his brother trying to get rid of that. He didn't want to deal with his own self and say, let me change. He said, if I can get rid of him, that's my problem. But that's not what it is. Whenever you sin, that sin is against God. And it doesn't matter who is living righteously in in front of you, who is preaching the gospel and telling you you're wrong. The sin is still against God. So you can say what you wanted about those people. You can um, do what you want to those people. The sin is still against God. The issue is still between you and God. And then we said that people hate a righteous life, those who are unbelievers, those who are in their wickedness, hate a righteous life because it shows their unrighteousness. So when we're in this position, and I want to make this clear, the whole point of me going through all these types of persecution and getting into this, yeah, you want to be able to identify it, but you don't want to be in it. You don't want to be, because in persecution there are two parties. There's the persecuted and there's the persecutor. You don't want to be the persecutor. You don't want to be Cain. You, you want to be able. And whatever happens, happens. You just want to be on the right side of things. So when somebody comes to you, when their light is exposing your darkness, we don't respond like Cain did. We respond the way God tells us to respond. And we're going to talk about that. And last week we got into righteousness. So what is righteousness? Righteousness, we said, is defined by God. And it's not man's standard. And it can't be defined by man. It's not what man does. Genuine and true righteousness comes through faith in Christ. And we said righteousness is not self-achieved. If you could make yourself righteous, 
why would Christ have to have come and die for our sins and been raised for our justification? We could have done it ourselves. So we don't have righteousness in and of ourselves. True righteousness comes from trusting Christ. So when I have faith in Christ and what he's done, I let go of my way and I trust in his way of making me righteous. I don't have to depend on those things that I thought could make me righteous. You know, maybe keeping the law, being a nice person, tithing, saying hi to people, whatever the thing is that you think could make you righteous. I don't have to depend on that. Now I can trust in Christ. And that's what makes me righteous. So, we looked at it and we saw that righteousness is a characteristic of God. And righteousness is freely given to sinful mankind through Christ. Righteousness is a declaration of God. It's a gift of God. And it's an act of Christ. And it's a process that we continually, vigorously, and steadfastly pursue. It's not like I get righteous and I just keep it and I hold it and I never move. Righteousness, I, I, I accept the righteousness and I continue in the righteousness. Then we looked over and we saw, and I believe, uh, I believe it was in Galatians, we looked and we saw Abraham... And his faith in God's ability to perform what he promised was accepted by God as righteousness. So he was justified. So those who believe in God are declared righteous by faith. So once again, it's through Christ that we're made righteous, not of any works or any laws that we could keep. So in this, I really want you to understand this righteousness because, once again, I don't, you don't want to be deceived. And you really need to understand what you believe. I know I say that a lot, but you do. So last week I told you that God has declared us righteous through the work of Christ. That he's freely given us righteousness through the work of Christ. That he's restored the fellowship that was broken when Adam sinned. He's restored that fellowship by, by Christ, restoring the image of God in believers. And he's provided the indwelling Spirit, the Holy Spirit that produces righteousness in mankind. So I gave you those four things, and I told you all those four things, they work together. They cannot be pulled apart. You can't say that I will, have, I will be declared righteous, but I don't want to have fellowship with God. I don't want to have the Spirit in me working the righteous works. That's not how it works. I can't separate the aspects of righteousness. So I was trying to think of, of a way to explain this, and, um, you know, God just showed me the word, the seed. So you think about a seed. A seed is sown into the ground. In that seed, it has everything it needs to produce the roots. We'll say it's a fruit tree. The roots of the tree, the tree trunk, the branches, the leaves, and the fruit. All of that is in that seed. And once that seed is planted and it's nourished, that's what it produces. That's, that's what righteousness does. There's no way I can say I have fellowship with God, but my lifestyle shows that I don't have fellowship with God. So when we look at it, and I, and I said last week, not only are we to, we are to have righteousness and we are to be righteous, but we are also to do righteousness. That's the thing. If righteousness is in you, when you accept the seed, the seed of the word, salvation in your heart, it's going to produce all those things. 
You just line up with it the way you're supposed to. And I believe, what was it, week before last when we looked at the seed, and we looked at the seed when persecution came, it couldn't bear fruit because the persecution um, got to the root and dried it up. That, that's, we're not supposed to do that because let me tell you, there's nothing wrong with the seed. The seed is going to do what it's supposed to do. So when you've accepted Jesus in your heart, all these things come. You just have to stay where you're supposed to be and keep everything conducive to the seed doing what it's supposed to do. So understand, I know we're saying, okay, we don't, we don't make ourselves righteous by doing the works. But then I come back and I say there will be works of righteousness. Understand, righteousness starts on the inside. And it works, it works its way out. Just always think of it as a seed. When you put a seed in the ground, the seed starts to work when you put it in the ground. You may not see it, but work, things are happening. And after a while, you'll start seeing things. You'll start seeing things. And that's the, way, that's the way salvation is. That's the way the Word of God is in your heart. You plant it in your heart, and you tend to it. And right now, you, you may say, well, I don't necessarily know anything is different. But you believe, you have faith, you have that in your heart, and you're tending to it. You're working, you're praying, you're obeying God, you're submitting to Him, you're agreeing with His Word. Then, guess what? That seed is going to continue to do what it's going to do. So, understand that. Don't, don't get confused with, with trying to... Flow. Just flow. God will give you the increase. Believe you. Because that's the seed. It's going gonna, it's gonna to work. The thing about it is, this righteousness that we're talking about is available to everyone. So, righteousness, and we're looking at the Beatitudes, and we're looking at those characteristics, that's not for a special group of people that are believers. So you got, and I think I said this last week, you got, here are the believers, a group of believers, and you look at the Beatitudes and you say, that's really great characteristics. Well, I don't get, I'm not, I'm a believer, but I'm not going to show forth those things because it's not for me. That's not how it is. That's not how it is. This is available to everyone. Once you, once you are saved, once you have accepted salvation, you want to call it born again, whatever it is, this, this attitude, this righteousness, this is for you. It's in your salvation. Don't, don't try to, once again, you can't pick and choose what you want to be. You want God to save you, but then you don't want to live saved. The word is the word. The seed is the seed, and it's going to produce what it's going to produce. So we gave a definition of righteousness. We said righteousness is a covenantal reciprocal action between God and man. It is based on the character of God, the work of Christ, and the enabling of the Spirit to which each individual must personally and continually respond appropriately. So once again, you have to respond to it, and you have to do it appropriately, and you have to continue to do that. Salvation produces righteousness. That's what it is. We, God has done his part. We do our part. We agree with the word. We obey the word. We submit to him, and we do what we're supposed to do. So... We realize, let's go over to Ephesians chapter 2. I think I have time for that. Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2, and we read this last week, but we'll read it again. Verse 8 says, For by grace are ye saved through faith, and not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, 
created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath ordained that we should walk in. Excuse me, hath, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. So we see that it's nothing, it, it's, it's by grace, through faith that we are saved. It's not of our own works, but it's by God's work through Jesus Christ. And then, guess what? When that work, we are his workmanship, created to do good works. And it's the good works that he defined. So, once again, when we're saved by grace, guess what? Through faith, guess what? We can produce those good works. We no longer have to try to do it on our own. He's giving us everything we need to do what he's called us to do. So, righteousness, it starts on the inside, it works its way out. True righteousness is not about self-vindication or self-justification. I can't live out my own version of righteousness. I can't go in and say, this is the way I was raised and this is what somebody told me was righteous. I have to find out what God says is righteous. Because righteousness comes from God. In righteousness, once again, salvation brings forth righteousness. Righteousness is in salvation. Salvation does not produce what unsaved produces. So salvation produces what salvation produces. Go over to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 6. can't remember if we went here last week. But. So 1 Corinthians chapter 6. We're going to look at verse 9. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetousness, nor drunkenness, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. But ye are washed, and ye are sanctified. But ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. So, what we used to produce when we were not saved, before we were washed, before we were sanctified, before we were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus by the Spirit of our God, we produced those works in verses 9 and 10. But now we have been washed. We have been sanctified. We have been justified. And now there are other works that we produce. So we don't do what we used to do. We are now citizens of the kingdom. So what is the kingdom? And we looked at this a little bit last week. We said that it's the kingdom of heaven. We said that the kingdom is marked by dominion. A kingdom is a place where someone has rule or governance. When we look at the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God, it's marked by God's dominion. God has rule and governance. So in the kingdom of God, in the kingdom of heaven, there is a kingdom now and there is a kingdom to come. We're here now, but the fullness of the kingdom is the destination. That's where we're going to. But right now, we have the kingdom, this portion of it. We'll put it like that. So while the kingdom is a present reality, it's not fully here yet. But as believers, guess what? We're preparing and we're waiting. We're not living as though the kingdom is never coming. We're living as the kingdom is here. 
So what is the kingdom of heaven? It's the reign of God in the hearts of men who have freely submitted themselves to God. It is the reign of God in human hearts now. So we said there's the kingdom now and there's the kingdom to come. Those who have the kingdom of heaven now live like they're in the kingdom of heaven. Go over to Colossians chapter 1. Being in the kingdom of God means I'm submitting and conforming to him. That, once again, he reigns in my heart already. I'm not looking, I am looking towards towards that day, but I'm not waiting on it. I'm waiting for the fruition of it, but I'm not, I'm not waiting to change. Here's a better way to say it. We've been hearing this a lot. I'm not waiting to prepare. I'm preparing. And then I'll wait. But in the meantime, until it comes, I am living as though it is here. I'm not going to be like those, uh, what, those, those, ten, those ten women who didn't have their stuff together. They knew that the, bride, the bridegroom was coming, but they acted like he wasn't. So they said that they didn't have their stuff together. And then when he came, they were, oh, give me your, no, no, no. I'm prepared. I'm going to have my oil. I'm going to have my wick trimmed. I'm going to be doing what God is doing. That's what the kingdom of God is. That's the kingdom of God reigning in your life. So we're looking at Colossians chapter 1. And we're going to look at verses 12 through 14. Says, giving thanks unto the Father, which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness, and have translated us into the kingdom of his dear son, his dear son, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sin. So you can see that we've been delivered and we've been translated from darkness. Unto the kingdom of his dear son. So as believers, we have new citizenship. We are no longer citizens of this system, but we're citizens of God's system. We don't have dual citizenship. We are citizens of his kingdom. Because we've been taken out of the kingdom of this world, and we've been translated into the kingdom of God. So as a believer, I am in this world. We hear this all the time. I'm in this world, but I'm not of this world. So what does that mean? I'm here because I'm I'm standing right here. But I don't look at things the way the world looks at things. I don't look for the world to give me a standard to live by. I don't look for the world to validate me. I don't look for the world to come in and say, this is what you need to do. This is how this is. This is how you should treat this person. These people are bad. Those people are good. I look to God. I look for God. I look at things the way God tells me to look at things. As believers, we live according to the value system and the standards of God, not this world. So once we were translated out of darkness, we know we talk about being renewing our mind. So we were in the world. You had faith. You believed. In Christ, you were born again, then you're translated into the kingdom of God. So now you start renewing your mind, and instead of looking at things in the world's way, in its laws and its standards, now I look at things the way God tells me to look at things. I don't have the same mindset. And you know what? It's, it's a process. Remember we talked about we continue, we vigorously pursue this. God gives us the word so he can show us 
This is the way I see this. This is the way you live in my kingdom. These are the rules in my kingdom. These are the standards in my kingdom. Oh, yeah, I know that's the way the world does things. And God comes back and says, but no, this is how I do it. So when God has reign in your heart, you're in the kingdom of heaven. Guess what? You're taking that word and you're taking God's word. You're responding to it and you're changing your life based on that. Go over to Matthew chapter 7. So Matthew chapter 7. We're going to look at verses 13 and 14. It says, Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there be which go thereat. Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. So, when we look at this, there, there are two ways. There's the way to destruction, and there's the way to life. The way to life is God's way. It's a narrow way. Everything doesn't go. What God says goes. So, as believers, we are under God's dominion. So, I, I like that because, you know, you think, of a, you think of a straight gate. You think narrow is the way. You think if you have a narrow way... There are just certain things. Just say, you know, this happens to me sometimes. I can usually carry a big purse, and I'll be trying to get into a place, and it's a little narrow place, maybe at a store or something, and I'm trying to reach in, and my purse will knock something off because I shouldn't have that there. It's not, it's not appropriate for that. That's the way it is with God's way. It's a lot of stuff. He's like, I'm not having that. You're going to have to take that off. That's renewing the mind. You've got to take off the old man, and God's going to say, I'm going to tell you what to put on. I'm going to tell you what to carry with you. I'm going to tell you how to think. You know, in that way, when you're in that narrow way, there may be times, you know, sometimes narrow you necessarily can't see when you're making a curve. Your sight may be a little bit um, limited. But God's saying, trust me, I'll show you how to get around that. I'll show you how to navigate those things. Because, guess what? You are in his kingdom. He's going to take care of you. And as a believer, you're letting go of all of those things that were not of his kingdom, that are not of him. Once again, we have to press toward what he's saying. A lot of times we think our way is God's way. And God says, no, let me tell you my way. You know, I've said this before. I was, uh, you know, and it happens all the time. I'm sitting there and I'm like, well, God, you know, I think. And God said, did I tell you to think? And he, he's like, no. I told you to obey. What you don't understand, ask me and I'll explain it to you. you don't, I, we don't have to try and trust in our own ways. We can just lean unto God and he'll give us the understanding. So as a believer, that way is straight. Now, the way to destruction is broad. Anything goes. Anything goes. You can say whatever you want to say. But in the kingdom of God, it's not like that. It's God's way. And you know what? He's the creator, so it can be his way. You know, we're not God. And sometimes when I look at things, I, I realize that sometimes we think we are God. Because you'll say, well, why God, God, why do I have to? You don't ask God, why do you have to? God created us. You know, and it's just like, he's the creator. You wouldn't be here if he hadn't created you. 
That's why you have to. You are not God. It, it, you know, it, it never ceases to amaze me. You know, like like I watch the news and I watch stuff, and you know, it's just we're we're living in a very interesting time. Everybody wants to. They don't say this. They don't say it. But the actions show they they want to have their own God. They have their own kingdom. They want to be God. They like I said, I think it was a couple of weeks ago. They have their own truth. They're gonna speak things into existence. They're gonna call it in, and I'm gonna change this, and I'm gonna change that, and it's gonna be that way. You're not God. See, now the thing about that is, you'll hear those things, and you'll hear those things in the setting, in a religious setting, and you'll say, "Well, that sounds good. I like that. It does not cause me to change." It does not cause me to look at my life and, um, you know, self-evaluate and decide. You know, it doesn't cause me to make any changes. It doesn't cause me to say I'm wrong in these areas. I like that. I'm going to go that way. That's that broad way that leads to destruction. But God's way, God's way is his way. He's the light. He's the truth. He's the one that speaks things into existence. You're not going to be doing that. If you could speak things into existence, it would be here because you would have said it. You, you speak it into existence. So we have to remember that it's God's way. He's our creator. As a believer, we are following him. We live under his dominion. We're governed by, we're ruled by, and adhere to the standard of God. Those who are, look, who are in the kingdom of God, they're not looking for shortcuts. They're not looking for ways to justify themselves. Remember, you know, think about it again. Think about, you know, I'm, I, you know, I'm walking through the store and I'm trying to get something and I got my big purse. Guess what? That, that aisle's not going to give. If I want to get that, I'm going to have to take those things off and come in that way. That's the thing. God is saying, no, my way is narrow. You're not coming in with all of that stuff. Now, you can keep it if you want to, but you're not going to be in my way. You're going to be in that destruction way. But God is saying, this is, what is in my, this is what is in my way. This is what is in that narrow path. This is what is in the kingdom. In the kingdom, as believers, when we're translated in the kingdom of God, think of it as um, a colony. You know, I was thinking about when, when this country was colonized. There were several countries that came here, and there were colonies of different countries. And sometimes the people just landed there and said, this is our land. Sometimes they fought for it and said, this is our land. But, you know, you think about this. God came in, the word came in, and he won your affection. He changed your heart. And now he set a residence in your heart. In that, you don't live by the standard of this world. You live by his standard. You may be, we may be here on this earth. And around us are all these things that are worldly, that are ungodly, but we live by the standard and the laws of God. Another example is just like an embassy. You know, you think about, I think about those action movies and people are in a different country and they're running. And they're like, man, if I could just get to my country's embassy. And they get through the gates. I mean, they step one foot into that gate of that embassy. Even though they're in a different country, now they are in their country. Now they are safe in their country. So, although we may be here on this earth, think of it like that. You know, it's a foreign country. We may be here on this earth, but we're in the embassy of God. In that embassy, it's not, it's not the country where they're located. It's not their rules. It's not their regulations. It's the country that it represents. 
So we are in the kingdom of heaven, so we live according to those standards of God. We're not looking to be governed by the world's standard. We don't live like the world lives. So that's what makes us different. That's why we, that's why we stand out. The world goes right, we go left. The world's yelling and screaming and beating their chest, and we're calm and peaceful. The world says, tear this person down, talk bad about this person, and we're praying and, and, and being lovely towards people. We're praying for people. We're feeding people. We're doing what God has called us to do. So we are different from the world. Those in the kingdom of heaven enjoy the Messiah's reign and his blessing. And what are his blessings? That's joy. That's peace. That's righteousness. We don't have to, when everything is going crazy, even when everything's not going crazy, we have his peace. We have his joy. We have his righteousness. We have the promise that he's there for us. We joyfully accept his rule and participate in the life of the kingdom. The thing about it is participating in kingdom life is a choice. You can, you can say you're saved and not live saved. You have to choose, once again, going back to the seed, you have to choose to let the seed bear fruit in your life. The seed is going to do what it wants to do, but are you going to do what you're supposed to do? We choose to live in kingdom life. We're not looking for any validation or reward from this world. Once again, we may be in this world, but we don't live like this world. We're not of this world. Go over to 1 John chapter 3. So the kingdom of God, kingdom of heaven, it is what we have now, but there is a kingdom to come. So First John chapter 3 says, Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And every man that hath this hope in him, in him purifies himself, even as he is pure. That, those three things, those three verses right there, that, that's a mouthful. So the Father has bestowed this love on us, that we should be called his sons. What we are now, like I said, there's a kingdom to come. What we are now is not what we're going to be in the future. We don't necessarily know what it's going to be, but we shall be like him. We're going to see Christ. We know it's going to be something different. It's going to be something glorious. And we have that hope. And we have, we have that expectation that this is what's going to happen. And because of that expectation, verse 3, And every man that hath this hope in him purifies himself even as he is pure. So, right now, what we are is not what we're going to be. So, because of this, our future role, what we hope, what we have our expectation, what God has told us, what we're trusting in, because of that, because of that what's going to come in the future, that's radically going to affect my lifestyle now. 
Like I said, we're not waiting to prepare. We're preparing. We are in this thing. Because of the love that we've been shown, because of the hope that we have, we live a different way. We don't have to put all our eggs in the basket of this world. We don't have to sit here and think that this is all it is. You know, we don't have to wait for the world to validate us. You don't have to let the world tell you you have value. God tells you you have value. You don't have to let the world tell you that you are special. God sent his son so that you could be saved. You can produce righteousness. You are special. He's telling you you're special. Stop looking to the world to make you something. The world did not create you. No man created you. Yes, your parents, they gave birth to you. You are the seed of your father. Your mother incubated you. She, she pushed you out or whatever. But God is your creator. God gave you value. So, you know, I look at this once again, and it's just so easy for us to get caught up in what other people say about us. But God has called us blessed. And if God has called us blessed and he is, he is welcoming us into his family, guess what? Then I am blessed. I am in his family. I can live because I can look at verse, uh, verse 1 and it says, Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. When God says this, I, th- that's motivation. Now, you know what? Nobody else in the world, nobody may like me. Nobody may tell me they love me, but God loves me. So I can live like God loves me. I can respond to life's pressures differently because there's an expectation that I have. God says, you know what? I've made you a son. Right now you may be going through some things. People may be persecuting you. But there's something to come, and you're going to overcome all of those things. You just keep going. You're going to overcome all those things. And what you are now, I'm going to bring something better is coming. Something greater is coming. You're going to be raised up. in glory because you're in my son so guess what when I remember those things persecution comes no persecution is not nice it's not comfortable but guess what I can respond I can rejoice not because the persecution is there I can rejoice because I'm being persecuted for righteousness sake and God Jesus was persecuted for righteousness sake so I can respond to the trials the temptations the obstacles the pressures of this life based on this hope that I have. So I can look to Christ. I can prepare. I can stay ready because I can look to him as my example on how I should live my life. So we believe that Jesus Christ has finished his work. We believe, we trust in him, that sin and death no longer reign because he has the victory. He's won the victory. That's what we believe. We're waiting for the fulfillment of that. You know, in verse 2 it talks about what we're going to be. We don't know, but we know we're going to be something different. So while we're waiting, I live according to what I believe. That sin and death no longer live reign in my life. Because Jesus is the victor. So I can live a different way. Go over to um, Revelations chapter 11. So... We have the kingdom now, and then we have the kingdom that is to come. So Revelation chapter 11, we're going to look at verse 15. And the seventh angel sounded, and there were great voices in heaven saying, The kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. 
So there it is right there. The kingdoms of this world, these things that have been set up where other people have dominion and authority, the kingdoms of this world, they're gone. It's the kingdom of our Lord and His Christ, and He shall reign forever and ever. And then verse 16 it says, And the four and twenty elders which sat before God on their seats fell upon their faces, faces and worshipped God, saying, We give, thank, give thee thanks, O Lord God Almighty, which art and wast, and art to come, because thou hast taken thee thy great power and hast reigned. So, like I said, we as believers, we, or we should, live as God, God has dominion in our life. That's a good thing, because guess what? He's going to reign forever. The kingdom of God is the only kingdom that's going to stand. Everything else is going to pass away. So that's the thing. You're preparing for what's coming. Understand this. All the rest of this stuff, whoever's king, whoever's prime minister, whoever's president, all those things, that's going to pass away. Only the kingdom of God will stand. So let's go over back over to Matthew chapter 5. And we're going to go ahead and look at verse 11. So that's verse 10. So we're going to look at verse 11 here. Verse 11 says, Blessed are ye when men shall revile you, and persecute you, and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. So, here is verse 11. It sounds a lot like verse 10. Like he used some different words, but he still got blessed. He still got persecuted. Um, now, there's one, there, there are a couple of words I want to pull out here. You got the word ye, and you got the word you in there. This verse 11 starts taking a more personal note. So before it was, blessed are they, blessed this, blessed, blessed is this person. But now, it's like, you know, somebody's giving you instruction, and um, they sit down next to you, and then they start talking. When I was, um, this is funny, when I was in um, whatever grade, I was in high school, I was taking geometry. And geometry just didn't click with me. I just couldn't understand it. A line, it goes on as long as I draw it. That's how long it goes. So I had this teacher, and he would teach the class, and he would see me, and I'd be sitting there, and I'm like, dude, I don't know what you're saying. He would kind of, he'd still be teaching, but he would look directly at me, and he would just talk to me. And uh, I was like, you know, one day I said, oh, thank you. He said, you know what, I understand it because you remind me of my wife. She, she, she gets that look like you look and when you look confused. So he would, he would explain it right there to me. And that's what God, that's why it's like Jesus is doing it now. He's kind of coming in, he's leaning in, and he's saying, blessed are you. Oh, me? Oh, yeah, you. Oh, so you thought persecution was for somebody else. No, sorry. It's not, I know what we want to think. You know, because I remember. I remember I was sitting right over there, and Minister Simpson said, persecution is coming. And I was like, God, for real? I think I missed about three more minutes of the teaching because I was like, oh, God. And God was like, yeah, persecution is coming. It's probably already come, and you probably stood through it. How about that? How about you say amen, God, thank you. But persecution is coming. It says you're blessed. So sometimes when we look at this scripture, we think, oh, yeah, oh, boy, that's, I feel bad for those people who are going to be persecuted. Well, guess what? The word is for you. Jesus is telling us what to expect 
and why to expect it. So this word is personal, but let's look at that first word there in that, that, that verse. Blessed. Guess what? The blessing is personal. So the thing about it is, you will be persecuted as a believer. And remember we talked about the types of persecution. You, there's persecution in action. There's persecution in words. There's persecution in thought. You may have been persecuted already and you don't even know it because the person just thought about it. But you will be persecuted. But guess what? You're blessed. The Creator says you're blessed. So let's look at this word revile. So blessed are ye when men shall revile you. So remember, persecution, people persecute people. Revile means to denounce, means to insult, reprimand, mock, means to use words as weapons to abuse, insult, humiliate, intimidate, or slander. So that's what it means to revile. means to denounce, insult, reprimand, mock, means somebody uses words as weapons to abuse, insult, humiliate, intimidate, or slander. So people will insult you. They'll say, say bad things about you. They'll falsely accuse you because you're sold out to Christ and you're living according to the standard of his kingdom. But guess what? You're still blessed. Doesn't change that. Go over to John chapter 15. John chapter 15, we're going to look at verses 18 through 25. And this is in red, so this is Jesus speaking. If the world hate you, ye know that it hated me before it hated you. So Jesus is saying, hey, if the world hates you, guess what? It hated me, and that happened before it hated you. If ye were of the world, the world would love his own. But because ye are not of this world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. So remember we just talked about the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God and how we were translated into the kingdom of God and how now we live according to the standard of God and his rules and his commandments. We live according to his will. So now, once again, because you're not of the world, you are in the kingdom of God, the world hates you. Verse 20. Remember the word that I said unto you. The servant is not greater than his Lord. If they have persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they have kept my saying, they will keep yours also. So here Jesus is saying, hey, remember. The servant, you are not greater than the master. If Jesus is persecuted, they're going to persecute you. People who are going to obey God are going to listen to your word because you're speaking on behalf of, not when you do your own thing, but when you're in Christ. So verse 21. But all these things will they do unto you for my name's sake, because they know not him that sent me. If I had not come and spoken unto them, they had not had sin, but now they have no cloak for their sin. He that hateth me hateth my father also. If I had not done among them the works which none other man did, they had not had sin. But now, now have they both seen and hated both me and my father. But this 
cometh to pass that the word might be fulfilled that is written in their law. They hated me without a cause. So when you're submitted to God, when you're agreeing with his word and you're obeying him, you're going to be different from this world. You're going to show forth the light of God in your life. So his light, his righteousness is going to be seen in you. You're going to be a living epistle that can be read by men. And they're going to see God through you. You're not God, but you're submitting to God. You're agreeing with God's word. You're obeying his, his word. Remember, Minister Simpson gave you those principles of agreement and obedience. They're still intact in this teaching as well. So you're doing those things. And guess what? People are saying that's different. That's different. Those who want, who, who want the truth, they're going to respond to it. You're going to either have a response of agreeing. You see it there in um, verse 20. It says, if they have persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they have kept my sayings, they will keep yours also. So you're going to have two groups. Either they're going to keep the sayings or they're going to persecute. So those who don't want to come away from it, you have these here who he's talking about it. Um, he's saying that they saw it. They saw Jesus. They saw Jesus. They saw the works that he did in the scriptures. The scriptures in the Old Testament speak of, of the Messiah. They say the Messiah is going to do certain things. And in this time, the leadership knew, they knew the word. They, they saw those scriptures. They saw what Jesus was doing. They saw it matched up. But they also saw that his righteousness, his way of life, didn't do, he didn't do what they did. So his light was showing their rebellion. So what they did, that they persecuted him. And it says, it says I love it like they said, but in verse 25 it says, but this coming to pass that the word might be fulfilled that is written in their law. He said, they said it. They hated me without a cause. So those who don't want to come away from their sin, they're not going to like you living according to the word of God. They're not going to like that because it shows their rebellion. And their response is going to be to persecute you. Now, persecution people may come straight at you. They may just like, I don't like you. They may hit you, whatever persecution or they may do it behind your back but it cannot deter you from doing the will of God the only assessment that matters is God's assessment if he's for you then who can be against you and remember that if he's for you then who can be against you don't accept to be accepted don't expect to be accepted by this world the world has not created you it cannot validate you it may seem like these things in the world, gonna make if you get this, if you do that, if this person likes you, if these people accept you, that everything's gonna be okay. But that's not it. You're still gonna be reaching for something else. Only God can validate you. When we look at this, Jesus is telling us these things not so that we'll be scared, not so that we'll be like, oh, well, I don't want to be persecuted. He's telling us to be prepared. He's letting you know, expect this, expect this, and this is it. It's gonna come. So when persecution comes for Christ's sake, remember that we can endure it. You, you can continue on with Christ. When this persecution comes, you know, when these things come, sometimes you may question, God, have I done something wrong? Am, am I out of your will? You may start doing those things. But God is saying, no, expect the persecution. I have not left you. I have not forsaken you. 
And he's preparing you for that. He's letting you know. When we realize that we're persecuted because we're in him, you know, we don't have to start thinking, did, did I do something wrong? Getting all wishy-washy and scared and all those things. God is saying, you're lining up with my will. You're obeying with my word. You're agreeing with me. You're doing what you're supposed to do. Righteousness is inside of you. You're, you're uh, letting the seed, you're creating the proper conditions for the seed to produce fruit. Then don't worry about the persecution. Just continue on. Let's go over to 1 John chapter 3. So 1 John chapter 3. And we're going to look at verses 9 through 13. Whosoever is born of God does not commit sin. For his seed remaineth in him, and he cannot sin because he is born of God. So I, want to, I just want to take a second here and explain something about this verse. What this is saying is, when you are born of God, you do not live a sinful lifestyle. Sin is not your lifestyle. People will read this the wrong way and they'll start getting condemned. No, you're not living a sinful lifestyle. You've given your life over to Christ. There may be things where you mess up. There may be times where you mess up, where you get it wrong. But you're not living a sinful lifestyle. You're not continuing in sin. When you see that you're wrong, you repent and you get back where you're supposed to be. So that's what this verse is talking about. You're not continuing in sin. You're letting the kingdom of God reign in your life. So when you learn better, you do better. So verse 10 says, In this the children of God are manifest, and the children of the devil, whosoever doeth not righteousness, is not of God. Neither he that loveth not his brother. For this is the message that ye have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. Not as Cain, who was of the wicked one, and slew his brother. And wherefore slew he him? Because his own works were evil and his brother's righteous. Marvel not, my brethren, if the world hate you. So, when we look at that, we see that we're not part of this world. We're citizens of the kingdom. The world has a lifestyle. There are things that, they, that they're doing. But as a part of the kingdom, as a child of God, there are things that are produced to me. There are things that I'm doing. As citizens of the kingdom, the world hates the things of God. So guess what? It, it's going to hate you. And don't, don't get all bent out of shape about that. What's happening is the faith that you have in Christ is making a change and has made a change in you. Remember, when we talked about righteousness, it is something that we get and we continue. We steadfastly, we vigorous, vigorously pursue it. So, once we are saved, there's a change that's made. And there's a change that we continue to make those changes. The trust, the faith that we have in God. Remember we looked at purifying ourselves with that hope. So the decisions that we made are based on that hope. So there's a change today. And then I learn something else. God reveals something else to me. And I make another change. There's a, there are things that happen to me. Let's say... Um, we use driving. Say I'm driving down the road, and whereas when people cut me off, I used to yell and maybe give them a finger that was not so nice. Now I don't do that same thing. Now when I see people who are unlike me and, and maybe don't like me so much because of who I am, you know, hey, that, you know, I don't like black people. You're a black woman, and I hate them. 
They say that to me. Guess what? I don't, I don't respond to hate. I don't have to respond like that anymore. Because guess what? I'm no longer in this kingdom. Those things right there, that's just this, this world's way of thinking. Remember, I'm over, you, we are over in the kingdom of God. And he says, you know what? Don't worry. No weapon against you shall prosper. You know what? Pray for your enemies. You know what? Let, let me deal with them. Everybody has value. You don't worry about all those kind of things. So those are the things that are happening in your life. You're, you're allowing the word of God to wash you. You're allowing to, yourself to grow in the word. So the faith that you have in Christ has made a change and it's making a change in you. It's producing something in you that couldn't be produced before. Before, you were, had the works of unrighteousness. Remember that uh, murdering, adultering, fornication, reviling, extortioners. Those were the things that you're producing. But now you're producing those things over in uh, Matthew chapter 5. There's meekness. There's pure in heart. It's those things. You're a peacemaker now. Before, you were all in the mess trying to rile it up. Now, you're making peace. Those are the things that are being produced in you. So, who you were before is not who you are now. People who may have known you before, they see that and they, you know, like, they may be interested. If they want to be that, they're gonna, the light's going to shine through. But some people are just going to persecute you and insult you because of that. And once again, it's not because of you, it's because of Christ in you. The persecution is for Jesus' sake. So what I have to do is I have to reconcile in my heart, in my mind, who he is. He is the king of my life. So I won't be moved away because of what others can and will do to me. There are some things that I'm going to have to suffer. There are some things that we're all going to have to suffer. We will be reviled. We will be persecuted. There are some things that are probably happening in your life. If you were to look back at it, you say, yeah. That, that's right. That I saw that. Now I know what it is, but thank you, God, that, that you got me through that. But understand that you can go through. We're not going to stop because of persecution. We're not going to stop because somebody says something about us or does something to us. Because our hope is not based on this system. Our hope is not based on where we are now. Our hope is based on what is... This has been a teaching message from Church of the Living Water at Austin. For more information about our ministry, please go to our website at livingwateraustin.net.